education of our children doesn't begin and end at academia. There is a spiritual responsibility on each parent and teacher to nurture and train a young soul spiritually. This is called Chinuch. Join Rabbi G every Monday at 2 p.m. as he explores education and Chinuch for parents and teachers. Torah isn't education, it's transformation. We are back, as we do every Monday between 2 to 3, where we discuss chinuch, education. We discuss how to make the world a better place, how to make us better people, how to influence the world to be the place we want to live in, what's new around the world of education, what can we learn from other countries, what can we learn from ourselves, just anything regarding making ourselves, our families, and our communities a safer, healthier, and better place to live in. As always, this is your show, so anything you want to comment, any topic, anything you think we should be touching on in this show, 34519 is the SMS line, 061-895-1019 is Telegram. So Telegram is 061-895-1019, or 34519 is the SMS line, or even if you have something you got to say, call us. Please call us, 010-140-3020. Last week in the show, we spoke a lot about what we can do for the community as an organization, other organizations, amazing projects of organizations coming together, um, stunning work that people can do in their homes and in their communities on a larger scale. Today we're going to talk a bit about what can we do in our homes. What can we do to help our children, to help ourselves, to just raise our kids and families in a calm, peaceful, I'd say emotionally, emotionally healthy and stable environment. Just be happy and on our personal life level. For that, in studio, I have today Jody Azar. Aizar, did I pronounce it correct? Aizar, yes. Aizar, Jody Aizar. Um, you are a therapist. Yes. You work with kids, with adults. Um, and actually what I love about you is when I asked you what work you do, so you answered it depends. Well, age 10, to 2 to 12, we do play therapy. 12 and up we do um, coaching, NLP, etc. which I, I always like it when therapists that come in here tell me that there's not one answer for everybody. And it depends on the age and it depends on what we're doing. So that's great. Exactly. So, Good afternoon. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Okay. So let's go straight into the discussion. Um, you are an, a therapist. You've been working here in the community uh, quite some time. Um, yes. Have, have you been involved in in therapy from the beginning? Have you worked in education, etc.? Give us a bit of your background. Where, how do you get into this? So back in the day, um, I worked with a lot of children when I was studying, um, and it's always been my passion to really add value to people and to help them work through different issues, and especially children as well. If we don't deal with things when we're young, it is going to have and play a role when we are older. So for me, it's very important, and I've worked um, in the play therapy space since 2018, and coaching I've been doing throughout my career. I also have an HR background, so coaching, mentoring, that's always played a part. Everything in that area. Yes. Okay, so a mother is debating about her child. Does the child need help? Doesn't? Let's start with kids, okay, with children. Um, I once had a, a somebody tell me, 
one of the messages came into the show, I think actually was that the decision if a child needs therapy or not depends if they have medical aid or not, um, which is very sarcastic and very unreal. Uh, but how do I identify? Let's start with basic things. How does a parent identify when to seek help, when to say something is not right? Um, yes. I got to go for help. Okay, so for me, um, parents are always the best judges when it comes to their own children. Um, Normally they will notice if there are any sudden behavioral changes, um, any mood swings, certain emotions that the child has never exhibited before. And if the parent isn't doing so, very often a teacher or daycare or a helper will actually also be able to see any significant changes. So things to look out for, I'd say, if there's any acting out, if they seem more anxious than normal, um, whether they go to either extreme of either being more withdrawn or more extroverted in their behavior, um, if they're having any social issues, and um, sometimes even children that were speaking before might even go through um, a self-elected mutism phase. And it's not just for that, you know, it's, it's other events and traumas and crises as well. So right, so let's, let's look at this because uh, yes. probably most children have some touch of these kind of behaviors. Yes. So you're saying, number one, check if it's suddenly there's a sudden change. Yes. That there's no reason to think it should have happened. Yes, and right. if it's more extreme. So okay. in other direction. Okay. So how long would be a judgmental time of period? Because let's say there's a, uh, a child went through trauma or a happy thing or a bad thing or whatever it is. So yes. we can expect change. Yes. For how long is it normal? Well, I'd say firstly, it depends on what kind of trauma they've been through. Is it divorce, which will be ongoing? Has it been an accident or a car accident that sometimes they are in shock and have anxiety from and can't express it? Um, and then also, you know, unfortunately in this country, there are a lot of hijackings and things like that. So if you start to notice over a few weeks, and I would say, you know, things that the child has never done before, sudden outbursts, um, you know, initially it's going to be normal because of some Something that has happened, but going forward, I'd say within a month already, and if it's continuing more than that, then it's time to start seeking some help. Okay, I want to touch on a different area almost, but it's not a different area. Yes. Many times, um, we have discussion about kids that they didn't have any major change. Actually, children that have some emotional challenges and in a natural way. And, you know, many times I sit with the parents and say, no, it's not because something you did or they did or whatever, or the school. Sometimes kids have biologically or whatever the reason is um, some kind of emotional challenge or immaturity. How do we identify that when there's no change? It's just who they are and they need help. Okay, so I think, you know, if, if that's just who they are, um, one of the big topics that are coming into South Africa, and, and it's been more prevalent in America for some time already, and that's sensory processing disorders. So if you notice in a child going into a situation, for example, going into a restaurant and they're too overwhelmed by all the noise and all the people around them, um, certain tactile issues, um, it can even relate to some of the feeding issues because of their tactile defenses. Um, and uh, again, their, their behaviors would be extreme, and that's more inborn. You know, things like ADHD, you're going to obviously have a lot of um, issues there where it's not necessarily due to an event or or something like that. Um, and then also I'd say to... Uh, so before, yes, I, I, I can't keep quiet while you move on no. because you touched on something massive, okay? Yes. The sensory world, and, yes. and I can't just let go of it because... 
it's so major, and I always tell, yes. tell the listeners, you can't imagine how major it is. Um, when we talk about kids that are sensory to noise, sensory yes. to smell, sensory yes. to uh, um, touch, uh, or whatever it is. And and I think we let's try to draw a line where to ignore it and where not. Sometimes I see kids that come to me, and, and they're completely sensory um, affected and they're almost dysfunctional. Yes. And the parents will tell me, yeah, they couldn't be in the room when we ate a certain food, but I didn't realize it was a big deal. Well, okay. they just don't like it or I didn't realize. So how do we realize and, and identify when a sensory, um, yes. situation is, is, is not something we can just leave? Okay. So there are things like, um, you know, they either children don't like to wear clothes or shoes and it's, it's quite extreme. It's not just your normal kid acting out or throwing a tantrum. Okay. Um, and it's continuous. So it's not just because they were in cordway today. It will be something that is continuous behavior and feeling that they exhibit in or emotion, at least that they exhibit in. Um, in the sensory processing world, you know, sometimes, um, kids battle, um, going to sleep and things like that. And it's a matter of, also making them feel more comfortable, more contained. Sometimes it's the use of a weighted vest, a weighted blanket, where they need that sensory input all the time. Kind of kids that are always asking to be hugged and hold, held and, you know, those types of things. Or refusing going or into refusing. the bath and then staying there for five hours. Or Yes, yes, <laughs> okay. exactly. So okay. you're going to notice extreme behaviors that if you've had another child, they didn't exhibit those things. Or if you start to see with their friends, they are not showing the same types of extreme behaviors, you know, the going into a noisy place, not being able to function in that type of environment. Um, whereas you can also have where everything's got to be loud and, you know, they need in that sensory input. So um, you again will find the extremes. It's not just at a base level. Um, so that will happen as well. Okay. So, yeah, so sensory is, it's, it's quite important. And I, and I'd say yes. always maybe even check sensory first when you see a change in behavior or something along those lines. Yes, I That's would. Right. You know, um, sensory behaviors or sensory processing disorder, I should say, is something that hasn't been, um, accepted in the DSM-5 yet, which is the di- diagnostic tool, but there are tests for it still. And, um, you know, they overlap into autism and into sensory and into ADHD as well. So you have to be very careful when you're going for assessments and who you go to. Right. Well, we could talk after the break about autism spectrum, massive things happening in that area here in South Africa, finally. Yes. Um, but in the meantime, short break, 101.9 We will take a short break and we'll be right back. If you have anything you want to comment about, 34519 is a SMS line 0618951019 and Telegram. Short break and we will be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. 101.9 Hi FM, Hi G. We are back in the middle of a fascinating discussion with uh, Jody Eisen. Eisen, right? Eisen. Iser, yes. sorry. Okay. No problem. Jody Iser. Uh, the listeners don't know, but I just got up and sat back down, so I'm a bit, uh, okay. So we are discussing the world of therapy where you um, are tra- trained in and yes. therapy for kids, for adults, etc. And right before the break, we touched on sensory. Yes. And I think we need to go and dive into sensory a bit more. I don't know how much awareness we have around to how important Focusing on sensory is, especially on the psychological side of things. So, before we start, um, I will say that 34519 is the SMS line. So, any of you want to 
add anything about sensory, ask anything, and you want to ask, uh, if you want to ask Jody anything that you are struggling with or anything that's important for you, please send us a message, 34519, or send a telegram to 061-895-1019, or you could even call 010-140-3020. Um, let's talk about the sensory world, because sensory, I think people are very familiar with it on the physical side. Yes. And we talk about sensory and uh, have people say, oh, sensory, okay, so what are we going to do, OT, physio, bio, We'll just pick one out of the box, or what are we gonna? How are we gonna choose? And we talk a lot about who does what, etc. Yes. But there's another whole world to it: the psychological parts. Yes. Go ahead. So, from a psychological perspective, when I say it's newer in South Africa, it's from that perspective. OTs and physios have been working with this type of thing for a very long time, and usually they're brought in by the parents or recommended by a doctor. So from a psychological point of view, we're looking at the actual behaviors and how it's affecting the children. We're looking at anxiety. We're looking at the very manic stages. So there's actually a group that you can go onto on Facebook and belong to a sensory processing disorder group for kids specifically. And parents go there and really talk well, about where, what's happening. How do you find it on Facebook? So on Facebook, if you put in sensory processing disorder, you'll come up with a group. And okay, amazing. Yes, it is. And I'm on that group and it's amazing what people are posting and how they're learning from one another or just giving some comfort, advice, you know, your child is doing X or the child is hiding behind the couch and wants to be in a close proximity. So things like tents um, are very useful for them. Exactly. I, I want to give just two extreme examples, um, just so uh, listeners can we can connect to the sensory, and then I want you to elaborate more on the psychological part of things. Um, just two behaviors. I mean, number one, I just want you to think about, um, let's say you're in a position that you're very hungry or very tired. How much will you be on the edge? When somebody is dealing with a sensory overload or with sensory seeking or with any sensory disorder, they're on the edge. Yes. So when we're extremely tired or extremely hungry, we become way more in, full of anxiety. We get more on the edge. We get stressed. That's what our kids are going through when yes. they are in a sensory overload. And not only kids. I see lots of couples that one of the spouses is dealing with spectrum or with um uh, sensory overload, yes. etc., and that's a major factor. Just think of that while you're driving in the car listening. And the other thing is, um, a question we got here a few weeks ago, and, 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 and I answered in this way. Uh, sometimes you could see a child in a very odd way hiding under the table. Yes. Um, and doesn't make sense. He's being, he's being weird uh, in a way. And I, I was sitting with the parents about it, and I told them, listen, imagine you're standing on the, on the roof of a building, and yes. there's no fence. So you're hiding deeply in under the table. Yes. All you need is to have a fence around you, and then you can go to the end, and you're calm, and you're relaxed. So with that sensory, when somebody doesn't feel the, the sense of himself, it's very scary, because there's no guidelines or boundaries around them. Yes. I talked a lot. Now... <laughs> I'll give you the opportunity. So where does that come into effect? And okay, the, the therapist is working physically, the, the physio or the, or the OT. Yes. Where do you come in as a psychologist? So it would be a lot from a coping perspective. So one, it can be coping for the child because their world is just chaos. You know, waking up in the morning, getting ready for school, 
you know, the typical things that, that other children are doing is not as easy, especially when they're in overload. Um, they need, need more of a plan and, you know, a longer time probably to get ready. Um, parents are having meltdowns because their kids are having meltdowns and it becomes a vicious cycle. So it's not only dealing with the child, but also very much from a parenting perspective on how to cope and how to get through the bad days. And also what to expect and to understand what their child is going through because a lot of the time we don't understand. And that's very important around education. A, we don't understand. B, even if we do understand, sometimes we don't have the way to show our kids that we understand. Exactly. And that will change the whole game. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's setting up also those correct processes that can really help the child and guide the child in the home. Outside, obviously, schools and things, most of them, if you're at a remedial school or somewhere where they at least understand the issues, they will guide from that perspective. But when it comes to getting up in mornings, going to sleep at night, um, so many things it's so many challenges for both the child and the parents. Right. And sorry, you mentioned also on adults sometimes having this as well. So very often it's when it hasn't been resolved in childhood, so no one's ever noticed it before, picked it up, or, you know, they haven't been for therapy. Then it will continue into adulthood. And sometimes adults are being diagnosed as ADHD by psychologists or psychiatrists, and it's actually a sensory processing disorder where it's just that complete overwhelm. Um, sometimes they're seen as on the border of ASD, which is our autism spectrum disorder, Asperger's as being one of those things. So it's very important that the person you're going to has knowledge of this. Exactly. I, I, I have to say that I've, I've even had a psychiatrist contact me and say, let's talk and see, because we've been working here many years, but we don't really see the line of uh, spectrum, um, sensory, yes. and, and especially with all the changes now, the new DSM that has, it's yes. not only about eye contact, it's exactly. about a whole world out there. And, and I think people are seeking for that information, which is uh, amazing, even doctors. Yes. So that's a very, very big point. Let's go practical. Yes. I'll give one, you give one. So on a okay. practical level, let's say, if we're talking about a sensory overload, so I'd say for a child who is struggling in the morning or at night, make a, a child's list and yes. say, I expect from you A, B, C, D, and just let the child even tick it off. Yes. Or break down the missions. I'd say always, you know, I know from us, sometimes we have, uh, you know, the kids, uh, you send the child to make something in the kitchen. Yes. He prepares it, he eats it. Uh, who said that cleaning up means part of the preparing? Exactly. Okay, so we need to clarify that. Yes. What else would you recommend on so, a practical? So definitely clear examples like that. So sometimes it's even maybe putting up pictures um, with what they're needing to do by their bed. You know, this is how you get dressed. It's socks, it's, sh- it's shoes, it's pants, it's all of those things. In okay. the bath Bathroom. It's about how are we washing, what are we washing, our parts of the body, um, brushing teeth. Now, for a child that has complete overload, brushing teeth can be a very difficult thing for them. Um, and parents don't buy electric toothbrushes. That could be the worst thing you could give them. I think our parents are, don't, uh, some parents, not yes. our listeners, but other people, yes. uh, don't realize how important what you're saying is. Because we many times assume that a 12-year-old can clean herself properly or himself in the shower. Yes. And if they have major sensory issues or whatever, 
not necessarily if you haven't taught them. Yes, exactly. They need to be taught everything from the basics, and it's the same with an ADHD child. You really want to make sure that they have also a plan in place, and you apply the exact same concepts, basically teaching them exactly what they need to go through, how they need to do it, what needs to happen. Um, We can't expect just that they know all these things. Right. Let's talk one minute before we move on about creating a safe place at home for that. What would you recommend in the house? How can you create, in a simple way in our house, like an escape room, a safe place for a child, etc.? Yes. So depending on what the child is exhibiting and and how deep the issues are and um, the behaviors that are being identified, sometimes, as I mentioned a bit earlier, was putting a child in a tent. Um, You get these swing tents as well where it's um, actually attached to the ceiling and they can sit inside that. So like those chairs you see at the... You bring the flying off the ceiling expression to a whole new level. (laughs) Exactly. But for them, it's something that contains them. So it's being in a smaller space like that or setting up a little tent in their room that they can go to when they're feeling completely out of control and not contained and not having, you know, their space being tighter, closer, that's what they're needing. Um, Whereas sometimes with some of the children, it's the complete opposite. They might not be needing that. So that's why I always talk about the extremes and having to understand your child and where they're at. And Yeah, and it's a major point. Let's touch a bit about anxiety. Yes. Most popular, I'd say. Spectrum, nobody's aware of anxiety. Everybody knows everything. Yes, everyone's anxious today, I would say, actually. Yeah, Um, completely. Yes, look at schools, you look at bullying, you look at all those different types of things. It's affecting everyone today. Okay, so what can we do to start um, lowering the anxiety levels in our homes? So... That's an interesting one because I think it's, again, coming back to understanding your child and educating yourself as, as a parent if you don't understand it. Um, for some of the children, would be the, we- the weighted blankets, the weighted vests, those types of things to contain them so they feel that. And that's a nice thing to have at home, that if you see they're getting out of control, put it on them, let's see what happens. Okay. Some of the other things I would say around that would be um, just managing, seeing why they're anxious. So even for a child that's not having any other symptoms and just the anxiety, what is it that's making you feel this way? How can we help for you to feel differently? What is your biggest fear? Maybe take me through it. Why is it that? So it's not just, well, that's ridiculous. It's understanding from their point of view what it is that makes them feel the way that they do. Okay, and actually being able to discuss the anxiety could calm things down as well. Exactly. Okay. Sometimes that's just very containing in itself, drawing pictures of what they're feeling if they can't express it if they're very young. Right. So, but I think, but as you said and you mentioned very correctly, that the the concept of sensory is a major thing. Yes. Even not to eat a major meal before you go to sleep or things like we don't do enough exercise, to be honest here. No. Um, we're not in, in physical. These are all things that will lower anxiety rates yes. consistently. Absolutely. And, okay. you know, I think today we're very quick to say here's some melatonin or another tablet, go to sleep. Melatonin, I wish. It's a <laughs> <laughs> okay. so, but there are other drugs, obviously. Right. I mentioned yeah. melatonin because it's quite a big one um, in the sensory world and also with ADHD kids or the correct term today is ADD, they're calling it. Right. Um, and 
very much with that, I would say, you know, to be aware if there are other things you can do, exactly what you're saying, if it's a matter of exercise. Calming a child down before they go into sleep, they shouldn't be watching TV and things like that. So an hour before, I would stop all of that, not playing games. Screen time is, Screen is time, an amazing factor. Huge factor. It's, it's really messing with some of the developmental milestones today of children. We see a lot more children going to OT because they can play a, a TV game, but they can't throw and catch a ball. I actually saw a new study just came out that part of the reason that we're identifying so many people on the spectrum now more than in the past is also because of the isolation of the world and yes. the screen time on two levels, the, the technical screen time yes. and actually the social. The, the social. Yes. And it's completely aware. Um, how do we invest? And we're probably going to have to go into this after the break. But if somebody comes and says, you know what, you're right, the, the, the social environment at home is very important, the exercise, what can I start doing practically? Obviously, I can't be over my kids 24-7, but what can I do small little changes to create a nicer social environment at home? Okay. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that very shortly. In the meantime, anything you want to send, 34519, any comments you have for Jody, um, who is a therapist and we're discussing a fascinating conversation about the sensory, the psychology, etc. We didn't even get to coaching, which we'll get to soon. <laughs> yes. Hopefully. Um, so any comments, 34519 is SMS line, 061-895-1019 is the telegram. A short break and we will be right back. RFM 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9 We are back in the middle of a fascinating conversation with Jody, a therapist here in the community and uh, finally a, a massive discussion about sensory and the psychological parts of it. I think very, very important. Any comments you have? 34519 about the connection between sensory psychology, things to do at home. 34519 is SMS line. 0618951019 is Telegram. Before we continue, just a sh- uh, quick um, um, important announcement, I'd say. I don't know what to call it. Okay. Through Chai FM, you connect to the world, to Israel, and to the global listening community. But now you can connect to the heart of the station. Download our free app to listen live. Connect the studio, office, or helpline at one touch. Contact the studio, office, or helpline at one touch. Find it on the Google App Store. Chai FM. It's capital letters slash Chai FM. Just look for the logo. The Chai FM app is brought to you by Bannery Head. Quarters. Okay, so I think that is a good idea. Connect to the app and you could hear everywhere. Um, and I actually know about quite a few listeners from overseas listening through uh, the internet to this show. So let's go back to what we were talking about on the sensory. And right before the break, we said, what can somebody do to uh, create a nicer and warmer environment at home? Yes. So sometimes we find that it's an absolute chaos when we have kids exhibiting these behaviors. Uh, Define sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say probably all the time it's hard for parents. Um, But I think it's about creating clear boundaries as well. And being on the same page as parents, 
having different boundaries and different expectations of your kids, I think, also creates quite a problem. They're not knowing whether they, you know, what is correct, what isn't correct, because when one is saying yes, one is saying no, that becomes very confusing for a child. Boundaries has been shown to actually create safety and security as well. It leads to what we said before about the roof. Yes. If there's a fence around the roof, you feel comfortable walking around. Exactly. And if not, you're shaking in the middle. Yes. And sometimes we too, you know, we feel guilty if we're going to discipline our children or but without it the studies have shown when they're older it just creates more and more problems so boundaries very important I sleeping have time to say about that yes our kids look at us like we looked at our parents yes. and so many times i meet parents that don't have the confidence and feel but i'm just a normal person i'm not a parent no you're yes. not you're a parent and your child is waiting and looking up to you just like you did to your parents yes. so you should have the confidence okay? exactly and it's that feeling of guilt i think sometimes we avoid it exactly rather feel guilty and have a child that's well adjusted and knows what's right from wrong yeah. So things like sleeping, having a set routine. Set routines are very important. So going to bed by 7 o'clock, you're in bed. 8 o'clock, they might be asleep because you can read to them in that time. So in terms of creating a nicer place, it's also the parents' engagement. We all have very busy lives. We all at work. We come home. Everyone's on their phones. Mom and dad are on their phones, not necessarily um, available for their children. So it's creating that dinner time, I'd even say, where everyone can share about their day, creating a different type of environment. And then bedtime, nice to have parents' involvement, reading books, things like that before going to sleep. 20 minutes off your phone when you put your kids to sleep. Exactly. Exactly. It's downtime because your child is craving that attention as well. Sometimes that's part of the acting up. Uh, when we're talking about sensory processing, again, having that set routine is incredibly important. So I would say also parents making sure that they're on the same page. I've asked mommy and she said yes, and then they go to daddy. And, you know, just checking with each other, I'll speak to mommy, and then we'll make a decision together. And you know what? I think a big factor is also you don't have to answer right away. No, and that's it. I'll check and I'll answer. Exactly. I couldn't get to my spouse and I needed an answer. Don't answer right away. No. And make sure that you both agree to the same things. Children are very manipulative and they're great at playing us up against one another. (laughs) So I think, you know, to be very much on the same page, exactly that. I'll check with daddy or I'll check with mommy and we'll make the decision together. And that's okay. You don't have to give an answer right away. If a child's going to have a meltdown, we'll let them have the meltdown and walk away. To feed into that meltdown to get what they want is, is sometimes we do it for peace. That's not going to create peace later on. And if you start fearing the meltdowns, then they'll have it with their boss and with their spouse one day. Exactly. They don't learn in social situations. Another thing I wanted to touch on, you spoke about making the home a bit more socially comfortable just before the break. And I think it's very important. If you notice your child is struggling in having relationships at school and making friends, start having a little play group that comes over where you can be more in control of the situation. You can see if your child's about to act out, direct attention to something else, have some games and some things set up that they can do, maybe welcome the child or the children, depending on how many will come over, I wouldn't say too many to overwhelm them, maybe get bigger later on in terms of a social group, but start off with one or two kids coming over, have the child involved making cookies to welcome their friends, so that they start to learn what is acceptable behavior, especially if they're having things like SPD with the sensory processing disorders and things like that, you can really 
ADHD as well. You know, if, if you're going to have a child that's like that, sometimes children will avoid them because they don't understand them. Make it a safer place. Bring them inside and you then more in control of the situation. Uh, that's amazing. And I gotta say, even if, when, when your child does have an arrangement, just make it a point to offer your, the friend a drink or a biscuit and kids will want to come. Yes. You'll make your child popular by just I don't want to say bribing because it's not a nice word, but, but no, yeah, but, but making, it, yeah, making them feel make like sure he can give out some something to their friends and they feel comfortable and safe. Exactly. I think it's very important. Yes. You're also a life coach. Yes. And you said something, and I almost heard the life coach of you speaking, um, when you said about parents filled full of guilt. Yes. Uh, let's see the fine line. Uh, many times um, people say, I did this wrong, I did that wrong to my child. Um, I was a bad mother here. I was a terrible father here. And I think we need to identify and guide me with this, that whenever we look at the past, what we did wrong, I think we need to ask ourselves one question. If I'm looking at what I did wrong in order to fix it from now on, then it's positive. If I'm looking at what I did wrong just so I could feel bad about myself and sulk, then it's a negative and forget what happened. How do I identify that? And how can I be honest with myself? So I think it's about self-awareness, and not all of us have that. And if you're having these questions, I think go and seek some coaching or some counseling, some form of therapy, because it's very important. You know, sometimes people have grown up in quite abusive homes. They've been smacked a lot or, you know, verbally abused, et cetera, et cetera. If it's not dealt with when we're young, we take that on later on. And we think our children feel a certain way, but actually it's us feeling a way because of things we haven't dealt with. We think that if we're going to treat them a certain way, and being overly punishing. Um, you have to uh, obviously know what the boundaries are and what is overly punishing what's not. I'm not going out and recommending go and hit your children. It's a way of talking mm-hmm. to your kids. Um, if you're going to continue to do that, then you are choosing to go to your room or you are choosing something else or you're choosing for your game to be taken away. So it's not about when I talk punishing, it's really about showing them consequences of their behavior. So consequences are so important and that's again where they become accountable and responsible so they know if they're going to continue doing that behavior there is a consequence for it be it that I don't right. watch TV etc going back to the parents I think that's part of, of parenting and learning those skills so going to um, for example play therapy I bring the parents in and I'll do some education with the parents as well these are the processes and if they're saying I, I don't want to do it I feel I'm being too harsh I feel I'm being too lenient etc etc well then what is their stuff then it becomes more about them. What have they grown up with? Why are they choosing to do things a certain way? If we've grown up poor, people want to just give their children everything. That is great, but we're going to spoil them and never teach them the value of money or anything else. So it's really knowing yourself. I I see quite often, just as an example in that, I see kids that their parents are overprotected and do not let them go to friends or to anywhere just because they felt neglected when they were young or whatever it is. And and that's... uh, um, a very big factor. So would you agree that a lot of the work we, you would do with kids would actually be with the parents and let them become better parents of the child? Yes, and I don't think we have good parents and bad parents. I think we don't know any better sometimes, and we just need a little guidance. Exactly. I, I agree 100%. Um, yeah, it's not good or bad. It's just more maybe confident and, and being... Uh, and maybe another opinion, I guess, to kind of focus yes. and refocus on what we are doing as parents, which is a, a very important thing. 
Okay. As you can see, I'm getting a hint yes. that we need to go out for a break. So um, we will take another short ad break. And when we come back, that will be our final part of the show. 101.9. Short break. And we'll be right back. RFM 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9. We are back to the final last part of today's show. Uh, in the show today, we had a very fascinating discussion with Jody Oriz, right? Did I get it right? Iser. Iser. What's wrong with me today? <laughs> Jody Iser. Okay. I can be whatever you want to be at this point. No, I'm going to need therapy by the end of this session. But anyways, okay, Jody Iser. Okay, yes. uh, therapist, and I gotta say, it, it was fascinating to see and to get into this knowledge of the sensory and the impact and etc. How important it is. Yes. Um, we spoke a lot about when people should seek help and what kind of help. Um, I want to focus on what you offer to the community, and what is your role in this whole place? What can you offer to a parent that's struggling, debating, wondering? What would you say? Okay, so I think it's very important that if they identify they're having some issues as parents and in their parenting, very important to contact um, a play therapist or even a psychologist, and I could definitely help with that. Uh, we do a lot in play therapy from a kid's point of view, but then also how a parent then manages their children, what types of things are acceptable, what's not acceptable. Okay. And I think that's also going to parents' life goals, what their purpose in life is. And if you can't identify that, how are you going to do that in anything else that you do? So nobody can lean on you if you're not strong. Exactly. And if you don't even know where you're going, what is your direction? What are you trying to achieve? Then there's no way for you to lead. Exactly. 100%. And that's so important. So okay. I think both adults and children both need focus and attention, especially when there are any difficulties and behaviors being exhibited. And then you'll see either play therapy or... Um Coaching or yeah, sometimes NLP. it's an educational psychologist. NLP, what you do? No, Amazing. we haven't. Okay. It's such a big topic, and there's just so much to discuss in both the therapy, the play therapy, the NLP, in terms of coaching. And NLP is used for kids and for adults. Right. So time flies when you're having fun. If yes. anybody wants to be in touch with you, how do they do that? So they can either be in contact with me on email. So it's Jody J O D Y at play therapy and coaching or one word dot com. Or they can drop me, um, they can go onto my website, just playtherapyandcoaching.com. Playtherapyandcoaching.com, that's your website? Yes. Or send Facebook. you a, a Facebook and under Jody Iser. E-I-S-E-R. Okay, yes. Jody Iser. Or Jody, what's, give me your email again. So my email is Jody at playtherapyandcoaching.com. Okay. Thank you very much. It's been a uh, very interesting show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you and for having me. I wish that all the great stuff we spoke about will actually be more and more, uh, uh, raise more and more awareness and yes. we will be able to implement them. Thank great. you so much. Thank you. 101.9 as another show ends comes in and thank you Craig for running the show and everything. Thank you. I gotta say thank you especially to Mandy. Shout out because she actually introduced you to the show and yes, brought you here. So thank you Mandy for that. And uh, see you again next week, 2 to 3. In the meantime, keep safe and do something good for someone.